Amen. We're finishing up in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Three weeks we've been looking at this passage of Scripture starting at verse 4. As we read in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfection disappears. When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put childish things behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and ask you to help us as we look at what love is and what love is not. As we study and finish up, help it to, to deeply sink into us. There is so much here, and we read this passage many times tritely. Uh, we say it at weddings, we talk about it at, at funerals, we use this passage But, Father, there is so much here that we overlook if we do not take time. Help us to take that time, we pray in your name. Amen. As we look at this passage, again, what love is and what love is not, let's look at this. Uh, Love uses power for the good. When you look at this passage of Scripture, the idea is that love is an empowering thing. It has a force in and of itself. Uh, It empowers us and keeps us where we can do things that we could not normally do because of the love of God. It gives me peace. It gives me understanding. And so with that in mind, it is a gift, I think, that God uses for his purposes. He places within us power, and we need to respect the power that love gives us. It is on loan from God. The love of God is on loan from God. We didn't have it. He gave it to us. And so if he gave us his love, then we need to do something with us. We need to see and demonstrate reliance on it and submission to it and recognize God's authority. Love is able to use one's God-given power to exercise responsibility. You and I should be responsible to God, not just to ourselves. And love has the power to do things that it couldn't normally do. Because of the love of God, I can endure criticism. I may not like it, but I can endure it. I may not agree with people, what people are saying of me or about me, but I do not fight back because God is the one who is ultimately in power of all things. Love rests in the fact that God's ultimate power and authority He is controller over all things, and I do not fight back against people. I let God deal with some things. It can get messy when I try to take my hands on things. But when I leave it in the hands of God, that love will overpower things. So love is also not the use of power for its selfish ends. Because now I have the love of God, do I use it in a way that benefits me only? 
Am I kind to only certain people so that they will be kind to me? Or do I use the love of God and love everyone equally? Irrespective of the fact that they may love me or not. Because love does not insist that the ends justify the means. If I love you and you love me, then that's all it's worth. But is that, is that really it? I need to love the unlovely. That's what Jesus did. He loved those who hated him, didn't he? While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. He died for us. And he used that power. So love does not let jealousy get in the way. I'm not jealous of, of someone else. I'm not, I don't get bent out of shape because I see maybe someone misusing that power. I, I'm, I try to educate them. I try to teach them. But I'm not in control. Love is power, but it's not my power, it's God's power. So I don't try to usurp God and become the judge and the jury of everyone else. I let God do that. I am not dismayed when people corruptly use their power. That's for God to judge. And so I do not become deceitful. I do not become malicious. I do not become intrigued-filled in a way that I can manipulate people to do what I want. I'm pretty good at that, ask my wife. (laughs) I can do it really well, but I try not to do that because I am not in control, God is. And so that love does not use its power for selfish ends. Love, it says, believes all things. But that's not to say that love is gullible, right? I believe whatever you tell me. I, I am what I'm... As easygoing as a sheep, but I am also cautious. I am wise. I look into what people are saying. And love will give people the benefit of the doubt, but once we understand what's happened, we will hold people to their word. Love knows no limit of what God can do. But I know I can't do everything. I have an unshakable confidence with love, but it's because of God. I don't have an unshakable confidence in you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You will fail me. You, you, you will leave me. You will get old. You will die. You will not be here for me to lean on, but God will. And so I have an unshakable confidence in the love of God. Doesn't mean I don't love you or care about you. That, that has nothing to do with it. It's that the Lord brings about the change in people. I don't. I stand up here and preach week after week. I don't change people. God's word does, right? And so I don't depend on myself to do that. As much as I love you, that doesn't make any difference. Love is is generous to a fault. Love is willing to trust that the Lord will act and he will help me understand what's going on. Love has such a great faith in, in God and his word that no adversary will shake me because I trust in him. I believe what he can do. And love becomes the deepest reason that I believe in God. I have felt his love. It's changed who I am. And so I believe in him above all human evidence of whatever love is. Remember, you look in the New Testament and there are different words for love. There's a a word that talks about brotherly love. And we get the word Philadelphia from it. The city of brotherly love, philos. Um, I 
I have a kind of erotic love, the Bible says, that a man might have with a woman. I have a love that I might have for a parent kind of love. But the agape, self-sacrificial love that cares for a thing in and of itself without regard of what that thing can do for you is the kind of love that God has. You remember the story with Peter. When Peter was asked, did he love him? Lord, you know I love you like a brother. No, do you, do you love him? Lord, you know, I love you like a brother. Do you even love me like a brother? Jesus was talking about an agape love, but Peter was not. We need to recognize the kind of love that there is. Love is not gullible. Uh, love is trusting, but it's not gullible. It, it does not, it's not naive. It doesn't believe what everybody suggests, and yet it's still not cynical. Even though I may not believe everything that, every word that comes out of every person's mouth, I don't become cynical or suspecting or untrusting of people. I still have the ability to love with God's love and yet be cautious. It's funny, people will come to church sometimes and ask for help. And, you know, the ones that walk up to me with a little bitty Bible in their hand and a story that's this long and explains everything to me, I am immediately suspect because I've done this too many years. The ones that seem like they, they're, they're sorry, they don't want to impose and really don't want the, the help, but they just need the help for their family or the people I tend to trust more. But the others who, can, who, who spout religious things and show me their New Testament and, and let me know that you know, they have the religious jargon down, I kind of look at with you know, one eye open and one eye closed because I've done this before. I've, I've been burned because of it i am not gullible but it doesn't mean that makes me weak it tries to look at i think the world is a half glass full instead of half empty i don't let gossip or a story or let someone spin dictate the way i act toward them love is not gullible love hopes all things love is the power that that God, I expect him to do something. I fear him, I honor him, I love him, I've given myself to him, and because of that, I, I believe he can do something. I hope in God. I believe in him, and it's because of the love of God that I hope things. I believe that the Bible says all things work together for those who love him or called according to his purpose. I know that verse, you know that verse, and that verse gives us hope when we read it. I will not drift into despair. I will not become dismayed. I will not become depressed. I may for a moment give into that, but I will remember that the love of God gives me hope. And when all things seem hopeless, I turn back to the love of God. And that changes my attitude. It changes the way things are. It changes, if you will, the odds. Because now God is involved in the process. If it was left to me, it would probably fail. But because I have hope in him, things have a, a way of working out. It, it keeps, if you will, the, the, the light aflame of hope. I always think about you know the Olympics and how they've got... Uh, uh, a burning flame during that time and you look at that and you think about you know all the the years that people have put into the olympics and all the work that they put in and they have just a few moments on the stage and then when it's all over with they put that fire out right they the, they dampen it 
I think of the eternal flame of the unknown soldier and how people protect that. But you know, that can be put out. But the love of God cannot be put out. It cannot be extinguished. It cannot lose its focus in Christ's love. It helps me to see and become engaged in a way that I wouldn't apart from his love. Love is not then hopeless. Because I do have hope in him, because it does give me something to to look to, I am not hopeless. Love is not hopeless. Love knows no limit to hope. But it makes me stronger because I have hope in him. It does not give in to the desire to quit. You will admit that there are times when you just want to throw your hands up and walk away, right? We all reach that limit sometimes. We reach, we reach a wall where physically and emotionally we've done everything that we can do. Nothing seems to be changing, and it's just, I, I just want to give up. But it's that moment I, I turn to God, and in, not in cynicism, not in skepticism, not in despair, but I look to him, and I see all that God has accomplished. I think that's the reason why God had the Hebrew people respond again and again to the things that he had done for them to remind them all that he has done and then that helps them to see hope and not become hopeless not become complacent when things do not go their way i thought about this love does not grow cranky in old age can i get an amen it can't it shouldn't I've known some people who have grown cranky in their old age, but yet I remember people who have not. Teresa and I knew a lady uh, when I pastored out in uh, southwestern Oklahoma in Holbert, and she was in her 80s and was going in for a quadruple bypass. I mean, the doctors said, we really don't suggest you do this, but it's the only thing that can happen. And she just, you know, knew that probably she would not make it, but you could not tell from her face. As a matter of fact, the last thing she did, says, here, Brother Marty, here's my offering for Sunday at church. Hope sprung eternal in that woman's life. She did not make it, but then she's better off now, isn't she? But in her hand was that offering for her little church, she said. There was hope in her mind, even in the dire moment of not maybe making it, she knew she had little chance. But yet hope was in her life. It was not hubris. It was not patronizing. It was a Christ-likeness. And I remember her over and over again. Every time I go to the hospital with people and I see them, and sometimes, you know, I kind of go, well, that's more like a stub toe than a quadruple bypass. I, I, I get it. It, it. When you're in pain, that's all that matters. But yet I have known people who have met God's challenge to their life with grace and with love. Love is not hopeless. The Bible says here that love endures all things. There's no limit to its endurance. Love has the power to persevere. Let me say that again. Love has the power to persevere. You can overcome anything. Love contains the ingredients for patience, but it is you who bake the cake, so to speak. 
It's within you. It's there for you to be patient. It's there for you to endure. It's there for you to have a positive outcome, to have joy as a benefit. But if I do not avail myself of that, it won't happen. It gives me endurance. It gives me power. I think sometimes love has the power to endure separation from loved ones. Many of you have had people who've been in the military and you've been away from your loved ones. Love has the power to follow them from afar and love them and support them and help them in whatever is going on in their life. I think love has the power to follow in the footprints of Jesus who endured the cross for you, for sinful man and woman. He has the power to perfect us. Isn't that what the Bible said? Perfect love casts out fear. If, if I throw myself into that endurance of love, I can endure whatever the world throws to me. It multiplies in my life. It gives me the ability to persevere and to become what God wants me to be. Love then does not give in. If love perseveres, then that means it does not give in. It doesn't give up. Love does not give in to evil desires or temptation or devilish forces. I will not give in to Satan because he's sure is not going to quit, is he? He's always there. He's always in the background. He's always niggling in the back of my mind saying that that's not possible. You can't do that. You're not forgiven or you've forgotten or you're still sinful. And whatever it is, he's there in the background going at me. Love does not give in to, again, doubt and despair and depression. It just does not. It doesn't give in. It doesn't surrender to family pressures to find quick solutions to difficult situations. Sometimes we live as that bumper sticker I see on the back of cars that have all the religious emblems on it that says, can't we just get along? Sometimes we can't. Sometimes you have to stand up to things and let love endure in difficult situations and not give in but proclaim the truth, what the truth is and what it should be and what God has proclaimed that it is. So I will love the people who are corrupt. I will demand compliance of them uh, in what God wants, but I will, I, I will still love them even though they're sinners. I, I remind you what we said early on. We hate the sin, but we love the sinner, right? That's what God did. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. And so love doesn't surrender to achieve peace at any price. You remember, you know, the, the world war and, and here's a guy waving the, we have, we've achieved peace in our generation. And he did not. It didn't happen. It's not peace at any price. Love doesn't give in to what's been called a maintenance mentality. If I can just hang on long enough, I see, I see people like that. Remember that picture of the little kitten that's hanging on the the cord or whatever is just hanging there, you know, baby or whatever what that picture was. I think some Christians act like that. If I can just hang on to the last, maybe I'll make it. Is that a victorious life? Is that someone who lives in victory that, that God says we can storm the gates of hell? I don't think that. That's a maintenance mentality. If I can just hold on, we should be storming the gates of hell with the love of God rather than sitting back and and holding on to the last minute. I think if you don't do that, if you don't 
use love, then you're giving just the minimum effort to God. I don't think God wants minimum effort from us. I think he wants excellence. He wants all that we can give. Uh, Irma Bombeck had an expression. I had one of my daughters paint it, and, and, the, and the idea is I want to arrive at heaven completely wrung out, used up, empty, giving everything I had to give while I was alive. That's what I want. I think it was Paul saying, I want to finish the race, right? I want to get across the finish line and have given everything I have to do it. I do not surrender to feelings of revenge. Love does not give in to the passion of the moment. It doesn't give in. It doesn't cruise. It doesn't resign in its attitude and and give up and, and forget everything that's been put. Don't ever say that's just the way things are. I can't tell you how many times in, in, in churches where I have had discussions about people within the congregation and somebody would inevitably say to me, well, that's just kind of how their family is. I'm sorry, that's not Christian. That's not Christian. It should be, how am I Christ-like? Not, that's just the way we are. To me, that is a person that's given in and quit. Love does not take the focus off of Christ and put it on ourselves. It can never be, that's just the way things are. Love never fails, the Bible says. God's love cannot die. Aren't you grateful for that? It'll never go away. It never fails. It's eternal. God will never fail. His love will never fail. He is sovereign, and that power overarches everything. Love is a self-generating power because of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, God's love lives in you, and the Bible talks about that in the Scripture, that he becomes in us. Now it's Christ in me, his love in me. I'm constantly reminded of the Old Testament when you looked at the people who, who had God work for them for short periods of time. It would say that the power of God came on them and then the power went away. You think of someone like Samson, power of God was with him, then the power of God was gone. But not so you. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. The love of God is in you, not just on you for a short period of time to accomplish some goal. In you, changing you, making you into something else, and therefore it will not fail. It mentions here that all these gifts it mentioned were temporary. Preaching, tongues, all, all this stuff will pass away knowledge it'll all pass away well that's true for us isn't it that oh, that one one year we are sure of something and the next year science has disproved it it's something else knowledge will pass away but love will never pass away love is eternal every service done for god in love will last one day when that bonfire lights all the stuff in heaven that you've done the things you did in love will last things you did for yourself under your own power the bible says will be burned away will dross love is the most long-lasting element of our existence if that is true should we not be putting more effort in the love of god that's why i i spent so much time on this passage of scripture if if love never fails if love never passes away if love is eternal 
then all the other things I worry about need to be on the back burner, don't they? Shouldn't I be more interested in the love of God and what God's love can do through me to other people than I am currently? I'm not using all the tools in my tool belt if I'm ignoring the love of God. It's as if I've got a drill in and I'm trying to hammer screws in with some other way when the love of God is the thing designed to do the job. I need to make sure that I see when everything else seems it has ended, I'm reminded that love will outlast everything. Everything. So I should be involved in a way that makes sure that love is the primary thing in my life. Love then does not burn out. If love never fails, then love doesn't burn out. I can't lose it. It, 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 it won't go away. It will always be a part of my life. It does not wax. It does not wane because of circumstances. It's not dependent upon my human strength. It is the love of God which never fails. It never goes away. It doesn't burn out. It doesn't grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says, right? It doesn't. It, 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 it will, in the Bible says, due season, reap a reward if I am reminded that it doesn't go away and will never fail. It will not burn out. Love does not give in to comparisons. I, I, I don't worry about how other things are. I just focus on love. I don't worry about family and friends who will cease. I worry about God's love, unconditional love that loves me to the end. That is an amazing kind of love. I have dealt with a lot of people over the years, and those people I have dealt with have in no way, shape, or form forgot to tell me, what have you done for me lately? You ever heard those people, you know? A lot of times it's in a work situation and, you know, okay, you did that, you've accomplished this, but what have you done lately? I think there are people like that in our lives as well. They want to know what you have done for them lately. What, what have you done for me to make me feel good? What have you done for me that made my life better? And yet that's not what God expects. He expects us to put ourselves in a situation that we help other people. Love is not a gift a belonging to any one group or any one people or any one selected race, it, it, it makes no difference. Here in Oklahoma, I have pastored a number of churches. I pastored in Oklahoma City and a good 25% to sometimes 40% of my church at that time was African-American. We were dead set in the middle of an African-American uh, neighborhood. And so, I mean, people were coming to our church that were black. The one thing they liked about our church was the services were shorter. <laughs> if, if you've ever been to black church, church can last all day. Unless you go to an Indian church. And that can last all weekend. I pastored those churches too. Where a great contingent of the people within the church were a uh, Native American culture. I pastored in, in Hobart, and there was a large Hispanic group. We had a Hispanic church in our, our, our congregation. And I say to you, as I have said to a few other congregations I've ever been at, you're one of the whitest churches I've ever been in. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I've experienced all kinds of races. And I hope you agree with me that the love of God makes no difference on those races. We need to make sure that 
love is not race-based or gender-based or, or in the way that people respond to me. Love is obedience-based. I will obey God, and I will love other people. Love is the law. Love is shown through my efforts towards those other people. Love is not limited to my earthly experience. There is a song, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard it before. It is sung to the tune of, In Christ There Is No East and West. And here are the words. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. The rock on which I build my shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Jesus, my shepherd, brother, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end, accept the praise I bring. Weak is the effort of my heart and cold my warmest thought, but when I see you as you are, I'll praise thee as I ought. I praise God for the love that he's given me and that he has given me the ability to love others the way he does, not the way I would. He who has the greatest understanding of truth should be the one who loves the most. Because we've been given much, we should love much, right? Because we've been forgiven, we should be forgiving. Love is the weapon that God chooses to conquer a rebellious world. He loves us. All the rest of the weapons seem to fail. You see the God, small g, who usurp authority over their believers or who threaten their believers who put fear into their believers but what was it that changed us the love of god god's love changed us because he loved us and sent his son because of that i think the bible says that love conquers all the greatest of these is love Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for the love of God and how it can teach us what it is and what it is not. There's so much in that passage. And may we read it again and again and remind ourselves of how we should live a life of love. There is an unlovely world around us. They will treat us poorly. They will not agree to what we believe in. They will accuse us and attack us. They did that to you, Jesus. But yet you love them. You forgave them even as you died on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's love. Help me and help us when we don't want to feel that love. When we want to fight back, when we want to have our way, when we want to have our rights. Help us to be the loving people we need to be and to experience for others the ability to share that love that they too may come to know Christ. As we go from this place and as we go to eat, may you bless that which we have been given through you. May we be thankful for the freedom we have in this country and the spiritual freedom you give us. We say thank you, Jesus, for your love always. 
And it's your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed to go enjoy. Thank you.